0: 2016 presents
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Music and Photography podcast. I'm Billy Stanford, and my super special guest today is Emma Clyden. Emma, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing really well, Billy. How are you?
1: I'm doing excellent, and thank you so much for joining me. So, fun little backstory for the listeners. Uh, You and I first got connected because you were my Emulsive Secret Santa last year. Mm -hmm and sent me uh one of the coolest things photography related i think anybody has ever sent me and i want to chat to you about that in just a little bit Uh, another little coincidence about all of this was that uh the year prior in 2020 the person who i was the secret santa for was your secret santa she told me really yeah uh, Reina in San Francisco. I
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Or Sacramento, maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Pure serendipity, but worked out so well. But about the time that I was, you know, mulling in my head about having a music and photography podcast that you're my secret Santa, because you have an interest in both of these things, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that is true.
1: So we'll, we'll talk about the photography stuff in just a little bit, but I thought maybe the best place to start was, would be with uh, Crash Birmingham. So, so tell us all about that. How did they get started? What it is, all of the good stuff.
2: Crash started in November of 2020. I was coming out of high school and I was wanting to start, I was writing some original stuff but more importantly, we got a drum kit in our house. Okay. I'm 20, um, so I still live with my parents. And my dad plays guitar mainly. Um, but he, when he was in his teens, he had a drum kit at his house. Um, so he dabbled in it. Right. But we always kind of fiddled. We were like, oh, you know, we'd have no room. Because we just have one little spare room that we keep all our music stuff in. Um, right. And we had a electric drum kit, which worked fine. Um, mm-hmm. but when it came to recording, it wasn't really I don't know, it definitely sounded electric or like right. <laughs> um right. but I was on Facebook Marketplace and this dude was selling this Borg hundred dollar five piece with symbols with hardware, hundred dollars okay. about up like five miles away. I'm oh, like, wow. let's just do it. So he's like <laughs> oh I don't know, you know, I'm like, it's a hundred dollars. And he's right. like, Okay. So I pick it up, <laughs> put it in the garage, and alas, there is room for it. Mom's a little, she's okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little loud, but you know, with the door closed, it's all right. And we kind of fiddled around with that for a while, and he got, he started practicing with it more. And then once we kind of started doing these little like jams where we would switch off and I'd play drums, then he'd do guitar, and we would just cover some things in november i was like well i just wrote these two songs and i always tried recording all the instruments for my songs i right. had a little a little solo career um in high school but okay. it, i was never good because i didn't use i didn't use a metronome. <laughs> so i was just like okay well that's pretty insane
1: <laughs> right
2: which it wasn't <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know and it's like pain because My computer was in the other room. Mm -hmm. So this is where my computer is. The spare room's to my right. So whenever I mess up, I have to run over here, pause it, go back, hit record, do that. So I was just like, do you just want to play drums? And he's like, sure. So that's how Crash started. Okay. Um, It was kind of a COVID necessity, I guess. That's how he says it. Uh, There wasn't any other drummers. Which there wasn't. (laughs) So... But it definitely makes practicing easy. So you don't have to like, well, you know, you live with each other. So, you know, when they're That's free. That's right.
1: That's, <laughs> uh, right.
2: That's right. So, yeah, yeah, so
1: cra- uh, Crash is a duo with you and your dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And do garage rock with the blues influence? Is that fair? Or how would you describe the no, music? Yeah.
2: Um, I think on our bio, we call it garage groove rock. Okay. Because um, we play a lot with like punk bands mainly, and we're not really like there's rock, which I consider like bomb, 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 or like bomb, bom, 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 bom <laughs> like right. those tempos. Right. And I feel like a lot of our songs are more like, you know, more, I don't know, not laid back, but there's a definitely like a groovy kind of pace to it. Right. That's what I think I'd consider us as. Okay. Um, Like I know, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, There's a band by us called Sweetie and they're another two piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And they consider themselves digestible punk. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I think that's a really cute term. Um, Right. Absolutely.
1: And y'all are in the greater Chicago area, Mm -hmm. right? Or so anybody who might be out there that wants to come see y'all, that's where they should be looking.
2: Yeah, we're southwest suburbs, about 40 minutes. So we play a lot of the kind of the suburbs ring. Um, But we do go downtown a few times a year. Okay.
1: Okay. You mentioned playing or doing some solo stuff in high school. I mean, did your dad teach you music or did you just pick it up yourself? Or how did all that get started?
2: So my dad always tried pushing guitar on me or like he was there for me. And i was more into guitar hero
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) um
2: you know i'd pick it up for a week and i'd be like oh my god and then i'd be like oh i want that guitar and he'd buy it for me and then i drop it (laughs) so fourth fifth time around it was seventh grade um i'm a choir kid so i was in choir and we had a talent show so i Maybe I should backtrack a bit. Uh, in fourth grade, there was another talent show. <laughs> right. Um and I played guitar in it. I played um Gucci Coochie Man. Okay. And without the lyrics. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just played that little brum, 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 anyhow. So after then I'd always say, Oh yeah, I can play guitar. Yeah, I play mm-hmm. guitar. I didn't I didn't play guitar after that. And it came seventh grade and i wanted to play guitar and i was looking at like like songs to play and sing for and i i landed on wish you were here uh, okay yeah so i was like oh this is so great like oh my god well then i had to learn it right and me being me i said well i could learn the solo too i, <laughs> I need the solo like and the rhythm yeah right totally um <laughs> so i fumbled Fumbled across "Wish You Were Here," and I tried. I didn't ask my dad because I knew what he would say. He'd be like, "Oh, like I'm tired of helping you," because you know, imagine like <laughs> like having your kid get into it like four times, and then each time just killing your hopes and dreams. Right. Um, so I was just learning it on my own, but obviously he did hear me playing it. So because I had to use one of the guitars.
0: <laughs> right.
2: So. I would play it in in secret, but he didn't actually intervene, I'd say, until maybe a month after. And I I was still into it. I was still learning. I think after like a month or two, I bought a, it was like $150. It was a Les Paul clone, Mm -hmm. um, a Jay Turser, for all do guitar people. Apparently, it's a good (laughs) brand which I I always liked it. it, played fine, but I was very, my like guitar influence at the time was Joe Bonamassa. Mm-hmm. And it was purely cosmetic. I only liked his guitar. It was the blue right. Les Paul, it was like a signature thing. And right. I didn't really, he's really, really blues. And I don't really like fast blues, like his kind of, <laughs> uh, I think it's a bit too technical, but right. alas, I bought the Les Paul because that's what his was. And I played that, and that's how I got into guitar. And then he started teaching me. He didn't really teach me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, he kind of, like, pointed me along. Like, mm-hmm. He's like, this is a scale. Right. And he's like, you should learn that. Not like, <laughs> this is an A minor, you know. Because most of the time, I had ultimate guitar. I had the things. I was just doing that. He did teach me a lot of my slide stuff, uh, my okay. slide work. He... Which I I do thank him for because now a lot of our stuff is with the slide, right. uh, But yeah, and then I got into my first band in freshman year. It okay. was with a group of juniors. Uh, right. I was in a guitar club, and mm-hmm. this dude walked in and he's like, "I need a guitarist," <laughs> and I was like, "Okay," and I was the first person to give him my Snapchat. So I was the guitarist. All right. And we recorded two uh albums we were called the local okay and we lasted till well my senior year so it was a lot of fun that was where i got a lot of like my first actual studio experience right uh which i never went to after because well, we record everything in our spare room right so so i guess so, i'll well, stop there
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's good because i wanted to ask you in general about playing with your dad because that that seems like kind of a unique experience and and so you probably have a frame of reference for that as compared to like playing with these other people that you played with before i mean what is that like is it like a you know great (laughs) or or do you get on each other nerves because you do have to live with each other when you're doing non-musical things as well
2: honestly our like Mm post-band our connection is definitely like strength and like tenfold
0: um
2: right. it was already pretty like we're we're just only three of us i'm an only child mm-hmm. uh, so it's not too much like to kind of get in between us we right my dad. but there's something to driving two hours to a gig and then playing with your dad and then like driving two hours back it's different from like vacation so you're right. kind of in it's like a little job you, know, right. you got to uphold. You got to practice. And thankfully we have people to impress, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I honestly doesn't we don't really get if anything uh, we get on my mom's nerves because right. the more confident he gets with music, the more he wants to do because he, he's he been playing guitar for 20 years. But this is his first time playing live. Okay. So it's his first kind of taste and right. he's liking it so (laughs) uh we do we host our open mic night uh at our local place and he does that he plays a lot there it's really it's pretty smooth sailing i direct most of our stuff Mm -hmm. i write um i guess everything and i do most of the creative stuff right it is nice to have a financially stable band member <laughs> sure who happens to be your father right um that is definitely a big big change compared to it's also great because i am 20 mm-hmm. and i can't technically get into like the bars for 21 right um, but my parent is in the band so sure I play. <laughs> right uh, we recently used that i like, guess it's not a eh, it's not a loophole uh the place we played back in June, uh, it was 21 plus. And I was like, well, and he was like, okay, (laughs) you can play.
1: That's right. Uh, You have parental supervision. uh (laughs) Well, the the playing live part was something I wanted to ask you about too, you know, sort of, one of the things uh about music and photography photography is often like a solo pursuit and and you don't get sort of that immediate feedback to what you're doing uh but with music if you're playing in front of a crowd you do and you you bring energy to it already and then you're getting that feedback and that is sort of energy coming back Mm -hmm. to you Have you ever been nervous doing it or do you feel like it makes your playing better or you get more into it or just how does playing live affect you, I guess, in general?
2: I do get nervous. I do think that is my, I have like a, just like an underlying anxiety Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just from doing things that aren't like, I'm not comfortable with, kind of like everyone's anxiety, I'd say. Right, but it's kind of ramps. uh, Lately, I've been getting good at it. Like in our first few shows, like the whole day, I'd be like, like anxious. I'd be like, let's just do it. But (laughs) now it's kind of like you know, it's like a normal day until like an hour or so before, and then I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. like now we got to do it. And then the five minutes before, then it's like, okay, okay. And then once you get up there and you're playing, I was like, okay, we're fine. Right. Um, It's kind of like like a bell curve, I'd say. Um, (laughs) But it's definitely. I think it's a lot like you said. It's a lot more instant. um, Mm -hmm. Not not satisfaction or gratification. You get an instant return, I'd say. Instant. Right. And in parentheses or funny ears, what quotations? What am I saying? (laughs) Um, Right. And because you know, photography at least for me, I develop it. And then Mm -hmm. for most people in our generation, you had to post it. Right. And then now, I mean, do people even see half our posts?
1: No, it feels like
2: (laughs) I don't. So it's kind of a hit or miss. And then you got to show people and then you're like, well, do they actually because people that show up to your gig or that are there, Mm -hmm. they're already kind of consenting to see your work. Um, But if I send like a photo to my friend. I feel like they're kind of obliged to be like oh that's pretty good
1: yeah (laughs) kind of like
2: that sucks you know (laughs) right but i i mean i do feel like we're in a weird we haven't really found our kind of group or our audience base yet like i have i have it in my mind but we haven't found who to be playing with to get to those people right like i think our most our most inline band that we've played with in the chicago area is a band called nora marks they're okay. pretty popular around here they're more i'd say like 90s 2000s kind of rock right. uh, a little slower but definitely still hard um, right but we're a lot a lot of the stuff we're still playing is with like punk or like heavy heavy rock or, or a lot right. of mosh bits right i don't think we're a big masha band like two songs maybe right so i feel like we kind of kill the vibe once it's like okay i'm gonna play an acoustic guitar only song you know right
1: right yeah i was gonna say if you're playing mostly i i mean if if the shows also have punk bands and there are and if there's crowds there to see punk uh, not to say that they wouldn't enjoy what y'all are doing, but I wouldn't call what y'all are doing punk. But, you know, still some some crossover, you know, for people like me who enjoy both, <laughs> can enjoy uh, the, the whole show. You mentioned Joe Bonamassa, and when I first reached out and, and asked about some of your influences or people you enjoyed, you, you also gave me the other gift of turning me on to Josh Turner's guitar youtube channel and it's not as though that was a big secret i just wasn't aware but he's got millions millions of followers and views so i just i wasn't aware but i I wouldn't call what he does exactly what y'all do either he i get a a big kind of folk vibe from him is that what you enjoy about his music or or talk a little bit about that
2: okay so for but this is josh turner guitar there is a josh right. turner music guy but right. this is the youtuber dude he has been doing videos for like 10 years now or whatever however long and he is just exceptionally good at playing guitar but he has this great chemistry with his bandmate um Carson Carson uh Carson yes. McKee McKee McKee, McKee. uh they there are two. I mean, Carson's voice is super; it can definitely get low, right. <laughs> as I'm sure you've heard. And oh, uh, yeah. Josh has a great kind of just counteracting balance with that vocal. Mm-hmm. And alone or with groups, his way of mixing the songs and a lot of his stuff he does is in like public areas and stuff and outdoor right. spaces, unconventional locations, conventional. Right. Locations. And he does a great job of making it all kind of it together yeah and i know you've seen some of my videos i do Mm. i basically copy them i just take (laughs) my guitar (laughs) and i'll bring a friend and we'll go somewhere and we'll record something with my little zoom recorder and that's kind of my way of trying to take some of that influence from him but he is just like i he got me into finger picking
0: okay i
2: was never it was about a year ago maybe last february and he played um a sitting on top of the world by that one dude i don't remember and it was just so good and i'd listen to that song every day on the way to work and i'm like you know what maybe i should learn it (laughs) it was hard (laughs) but it was also my first it took me like four months and then i recorded that with my little recorder um but through that I was able to kind of kickstart the finger picking and over time it's gotten now I can fingerpick most songs, right? To a, a level. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of where I've gotten that side of my acoustic playing from.
1: Okay. I, I just, yeah. I can
2: listen to his stuff forever.
1: <laughs> and you and your dad have a version of sitting on top of the world on your YouTube channel right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I forgot about that. Yeah. Cause I was, I was really into it. Um, I think that was a cover of some other dudes. Maybe it was the original version, but I was, and he was just playing on a piano. I was like, well, let's record it. Right. Okay.
1: Well, who, who were some of the other groups that you listened to artists just growing up in general?
2: Yeah. We're as a group, obviously very influenced by like white stripes black keys right i mean that's kind of who that's pretty much what we're doing we're just like well, let's do it for fun and then if we like get big and they're like oh you copied and then (laughs) no but like if we do get big i'm like yeah dude like it's obvious right it's okay and then i'll get jack's phone number and then (laughs) it'll be great (laughs) (laughs) but other than that we um I personally, I'm more into folk. Mm-hmm. I do like like the bluegrass folk, of right. whatever yesteryear. But yeah, he's more into like the classic rock. Right. He's not. I've been expanding more. I've been going on, what's it called, Bandcamp. Yes. Um, <laughs> I go on there like, if you scroll to the bottom, you see like the genres, mm-hmm. and then I just click like, vinyl, best selling vinyl. And then just click i mean my friend will play a game well like we won't leave the site until we have three new like songs that we like
1: okay
2: um and that's where i find a lot of i've been getting into jazz and folk a little bit of blue stuff so like a lot of the like i listened to a lot of the who the who was my first band that i saw right it was quadrophenia the whole album oh (laughs) don't remember any of it well no i do because the first song i was like or the what was it It was quadrophenia like the eight minute instrumental song that they have in the middle there i'm Mm -hmm. like where are the words because they don't yeah so they just play that's (laughs)
1: Um. that was one of the coolest shows i ever went to it was eric clapton was the headliner um but pete townsend opened for him solo oh okay That was like a one-two punch of uh, rock history. Yeah. That was a great night.
2: You know what? I will tell you, speaking of one-two punches, Mm -hmm. we went to see The Who. I think I've seen The Who maybe like four times. But I've stopped because, I don't know, it's a little too old. It's only (laughs) been like four years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, We were going up to, can you see that? No. The poster's up there. It was 2017 okay. and they were playing like 20, like 20 shows, half more in South America, but they were in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And their, their opener was a band called the London Souls. Okay. I beep and eat up <laughs> the London Souls. They released two albums. They're from New York. One, it's Tash Neal and the Drummer Dude, two piece, was a three piece. and There are two albums, one was 2012, one was 2015. They, oh man, like the live set, just look up the London Souls, that like they are so, the drummer is so in the pockets, as they say, it's crazy. Like I just eat up their stuff. And I remember they came to Chicago. First time I saw them, I was like maybe sixth or eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And... They were playing at the, the, like right next to the Bean, there's this like auditorium thing. And they were playing like eight to nine. They were the last in like a list. And we were like one of like 10 people there, maybe. It was okay. their first time in Chicago. <laughs> I was just eating it up. Right. And I don't even think, I didn't bring a pen, so they couldn't sign the thingy. But we bought a CD from them. And they were opening up for The Who. In Grand Rapids, oh wow! And I was like, we have to go
0: because mm-hmm.
2: one, they don't come around they don't they haven't toured really. So it was like 2015. So we, we bought a ticket, we went out, and like when we were listening, I'm like, the old dude in front of me he was like, "Who's this?" Bring on the hood. <laughs> like, it was great. It was great. I did right. buy their forty dollar t shirt, and I recently retired it because it got okay. kind of old. But uh great yeah. forty dollars, great forty dollars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that is so cool to get to see, you know, a band that you like kind of before other people know about them and and see mm-hmm. them in a small place in a small crowd and then get to see them like on the big stage. Yeah. It's it's cool to see that that journey. So aside from playing the instruments, uh you also work on them too, right? So so tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Uh, work on them. <laughs> I, well, I guess I'll, because kind of the main thing. I have a Mustang. Okay. It's a seafoam green Mustang I got on, what's it called? Reverb.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: it was a Squire, like whatever their homebucker, homebucker Mustang is for like $200. Right. But it was worn or aged relic it was Mm -hmm. relic and it was only $40 and it wasn't a terrible relic because I bought it (laughs) (laughs) it it was pretty classy it wasn't too crazy but he did a great job with the neck the neck was like it's really nice like just kind of roasted enough right and he did a good job with the metals and all that so I bought it and it had these I don't know if they're called toaster pickups or something they have like a black line in them but they sound so good especially yeah. with slide it's like a great kind of like swampy you put it in the middle usually i'm with my telecaster i'm sure you've seen it's just the mm-hmm. bridge pickup bridge right. humbucker and i that's actually i don't know if you know that was originally a humbucker humbucker telly okay i got it it's so there's a crack in like where the neck meets the, the body know. Yeah, uh, which is why I'm always a little scared to bend the neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. But it was this. It was like the cheapest Mexican telly that you could buy at Guitar Center. It was like four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. There was cracks. He looks like he took sandpaper or steel mm-hmm. wool to the front. It's this silver finish, but it's so I love beat up guitars. Right. And that is like the golden, and I love humbuckers, so I bought it. And then I realized I didn't what I wasn't using the uh, neck pickup, so mm-hmm. I just took it out. So right. there was a hole there for a while, and then I realized I could just get a uh, what's the Telecasters the Esquire right an Esquire humbucker right. that just covers up the hole. Now I have an Esquire humbucker. There you telecaster. go. So that's how I did that, and I like the single pickup just easier. I used the t- one tone knob, one volume knob, right. and I really like the tone on the seafoam green Mustang, but we were incorporating more slide into our set. Mm-hmm. I was tuning like three times because I'm in open G, open D, E right. standard. It wasn't working, <laughs> so it was actually the set. I'm gonna detour for two minutes. Okay. We played the first. I, I lied. I, I the first band I saw was Johnny Winter. Okay. Um, it was in a small town called Watsika in central Illinois, this small, small little theater. And I was 11 or something and I drove out and I slept on the way home. And I barely remember it. We were front row though. Cause there's only like, I don't know, 150 seats. Right. And we were just shits and giggles. It was October of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be so cool if we could play at the first place I saw, like, you know, like, saw my first show. Right. So I'm looking at the Seekers website. I'm like, okay, so, like, they're they're still active. This is 2021, so I'm like, is COVID still affecting them, you know, whatnot? And they were still doing it. They opened up. I think their first show was in, like, the first of October. And this is October, like, 8th or something. Right. And... I'm like, well, let me just email him. So, email am like, hey, you know, blah, blah blah, tell him the story, tell me who we are. And he gets back, and I'm at work, um, gets back in like a day, and he's like, Yeah, could you come play in front of uh, uh, Gingerbreaker's Sons' band next week? Oh, wow, like, okay, <laughs> do we have to pay? Like, like <laughs> what's the trick, right? But uh, yeah. yeah, so he does like a little tribute band thing with like five other people. Right. So we we drove down that next week. We we had like a, it was like 25 minute set mm-hmm. and I brought both the Mustang and the Telecaster
0: mm-hmm.
2: because I'm like, well, no time to, tune. and but you know this is like it's a theater, so I'm like I can't like go out like we're obviously monochrome. <laughs> this seafoam green Mustang is not gonna cut it. Right. So what do I do? I buy a roll of uh, electrical tape. <laughs> <laughs> I go, doop, doop, all along it. and I kept that on for two weeks until I bought the black Squire Mustang for 180 dollars and then I was able to take off the actual tape, which didn't leave residue. I was okay. surprised. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, just kill my Mustang. but <laughs> it went fine. and I decided to put a P90 in the bridge okay um I got it was surprisingly easy to get every the only thing that I think i messed up was the pots
0: okay um
2: I got I looked up guides I think i did it but mm. the what does he call it actuation or you know how it's like linear and like whatever right basically it doesn't get loud until like eight or nine right so I just keep it on ten there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did a P90 in the bridge. I got a custom pick guard for like 30 bucks card. Mm-hmm. And then I, I did my first ever refinishing, maybe mm-hmm. you call it. That's
0: I like sanded yeah. the
2: because oh man. The squire neck like necks. I just
0: ugh. like the bare
2: <laughs> white wood. It's just ugh. so <laughs> I sanded that down. I did like the, the coat with the the gun stock coat or whatever they recommend and I got it nice and glassy but right. the big job was making the headstock black because mm-hmm. I saw some gnarly pictures of some all black Mustangs and telecasters right um and I was like I gotta do it I gotta do it <laughs> so I sanded it I did it all it honestly the polish turned out good Mm-hmm. But I didn't put enough clear coat on, I think. So I did wear through some of the black. Right. But it, from afar, which is what it, you're seeing it from, it looks great. Yeah. And yeah. I did the, you can use a wood stainer pen to mm-hmm. stain your cardboard darker. Works right. great. Yeah. Having it rub <laughs> off. It's, yeah. yeah. That's probably my, yeah. I don't know what it cost me. It was 200 for the guitar. I'd say 400
0: Yeah.
2: Being generous yeah <laughs> but, yeah it's treating me well it hasn't hasn't pooped out yet which is great I don't the only thing is is I I think I I was teetering with going with with the neck pickup mm-hmm. so like or like putting in the neck instead of the bridge yeah because with the slide I want it to be that my my dedicated slide
0: right
2: um, so I could put like 13 gauge strings on it
0: mm-hmm. but
2: I didn't want it to be too bright Cause I use right. brass slide. That's gonna really make it bright. Girl, I and mean, it's a little bright, but you know, next time when I get the That's custom right. model, then I'll then I'll do it. Right. Me, you know, make my, <laughs> my custom shop signature model. That's right. Do <laughs> there you go.
1: There you go. So at, at the at the beginning, I mentioned that you had sent me this cool thing as part of the Secret Santa, and it was a three by four wet plate. And you had mentioned in the note that you had been doing some of that so just to get into a little bit of the photography talk i mean how how did you get into that and and kind of what's your process for that
2: well i'll start very briefly i started film i took zero photographs before junior year so that Mm -hmm. was maybe three four four years ago right and it was the homecoming week so the theme for the day was uh Hawaiian theme.
0: Mm-hmm. So I was
2: at Goodwill and I was like, Well, I was looking for like the Hawaiian shirts. I got a orange shirt. And in the case, there was a six dollar like camera, SLR. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. well, it'd be like a tourist.
1: Yeah. So I bought
2: <laughs> it. I bought it for 50 cents because my friend worked there. So she right. just changed the price. Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh and I was like looking at like, oh it's a film camera. So, um, this is 2017, mm-hmm. 2018. So, it was still like, I don't think it was really coming in for like people my age. Like, now everyone has a point and shoot or something right. like that. But I was like, oh, I can put like film. No. So, I go to Walmart at 6 a.m. Right. Bad idea. <laughs> Just in general. Um, and I get their Fujifilm 200 three pack for 20 bucks or whatever the same price it was and I load it in quotation marks I did not load it (laughs) because I was just trying I thought if I just like put it in to the sprockets and didn't like actually push it into like the little lip slot right I just catch on right well it didn't (laughs) (laughs) so that's how I started film and I actually I took that camera that weekend, I, we were going to New York, mm-hmm. and I said, screw it, I'm gonna shoot only film. Mm-hmm. And somehow it came out, and oh, that's wow. how I kind of started my uh, my film side of my photography, right? which is kind of all of my photography. <laughs> um, but how I got into wet plate was two years later, I slowly progressed from 35 to 120 and then i got to four by five and it was graduation i graduated 2020 okay Uh, and i because i graduated high school i I was getting i'm a middle class family so like my grandma gave me money i got money it was a decent sum right and i was seeing these photos i was really i kind of go into cycles with my music and photography i'll Mm -hmm. do like six months music six months photography sometimes a year i was really into photography i was like you know what so fresh out of high school i was going to community college so i'm like i'm gonna get a studio Mm -hmm. do the thing i'm charging i'm making booklets i got business booklets i'm like set. and (laughs) i'm like thinking because we went to this place in michigan called holland and it's a very touristy town Mm -hmm. and my kind of thing was well if i do like wet plate because technically wet plate is cheaper than polaroids <laughs> definitely in the right. long run it is and not a lot of people do wet plate well a lot of people do it now but in the grand scheme no one does wet plate right compared to the millions of photographers millions. <laughs> and i was like well if i set up in like one of these tourist towns and set up a wet plate studio and like I could like that's like our revenue of traffic, you know, like because like it's like ten minutes and you get something, you get a freaking tin type. Right. You know? Who comes back on vacation with a tin type in their family? <laughs> that's right. So that wasn't really the origin, but mm-hmm. that's kind of where it went. I was just it was probably some boring story about finding it on YouTube and like wow, that's so cool. And I spent <laughs> I bought the uh, the Boss and Sullivan starter right. kits, okay. and I nothing they are absolutely amazing they have sent me because obviously i'm horrible at mixing chemicals <laughs> so i messed up like a batch of this thing that was like 80 bucks they oh, sent wow. me a new one to like oh, wow. here free even free shipping Wow. so they their customer service um i don't know what the guy's name but uh they have a, a dedicated tin type dude or what play guy
0: mm-hmm.
2: they they're in arizona so Shipping is like 20 bucks because it's like hazardous chemicals, Boom. right? Um, uh, <laughs> but they the support is amazing and they help me out so much and all this crap. And I, they should definitely add the kits like 300 bucks for a four by five, like set mm-hmm. eight by 10 more, but okay. nothing. They do great stuff, and that's how I do all my stuff. I don't mix any fancy stuff, right? So, stuff. Uh, but <laughs> that's how I got into wet plates and wet plate was very, my mom was very into it. My okay. dad wasn't.
1: Not so much.
2: He was like, where are you going to be doing this? <laughs> Our bathroom? Right. And with what chemicals? <laughs> and I'm like, bah, 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 bah. So he like partially consented to it. Right. And my mom was like no we're doing it so because we have a big garden so she's like i can yeah. get our photos and all this stuff and it worked it worked <laughs> out um yeah the, the sink's a little stained yeah um but we're redoing the bathroom anyway so it's fine
0: yeah <laughs> uh but
2: it's, i definitely don't do it as i honestly i haven't done it any time as far i've been so uh start busy with work and everything but yes. when I do do out and do it, do out and do it, uh, it's it's always rewarding. The first yeah. few times was definitely stressful. Right. Um. So I'm like, why does this look like this? Like <laughs> I got the photo, but it just wasn't really looking right. And then right. the next year, since the chemicals sat, mm-hmm. there was particles and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. what is that? So half my summer was just me binnicking with chemicals and solvents. Right. It's a, it's definitely a headache.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, well it was it was very yeah. cool. I had I had never held one. <laughs> I probably have seen one in person, but had never uh actually held one. So that was very cool, very cool thing to have sent. I I, I did see at one point you were playing around with a little bit of Polaroid, but what what other photography things do you yeah. enjoy
2: I am um, you are right I did is there a video on this or is it just podcast
1: just audio
2: okay yeah. um I got a camera from I will shout them out SX something SX IV SX Ivy. Ivy Y okay. um specifically Jeremy at Instagram drsx70. Okay. Um he works for SXIV, but I just went through him in particular, and mm-hmm. uh, he he's a good customer service. Um, but I got a specialty because I've been using a Polaroid Impulse, mm-hmm. not the AF, just right, just bare bones. <laughs> uh, and it sits; it's great because the whole family knows how to use it. You just press the button.
0: Right. Um,
2: but i was looking i got more and more the film turned more and more into a polaroid or sorry the fridge turned into a Polaroid fridge (laughs) because i was finding like 10 packs for like a hundred dollars which is a great deal yeah um and i'm like well maybe i should kind of up my polaroid game so i found this sx-70 on Facebook marketplace for a hundred dollars it was like this alpha version mm-hmm. i don't know and it worked supposedly so i was talking and i was like well i don't really want this i want an autofocus one right and so i'm talking to the dude i'm like yeah well we could trade it out so i traded a mine for his mm-hmm. i got an autofocus one he gave me a cool skin um i didn't realize how much of a headache the SX70 is mm-hmm. for like autofocus, auto, exp- uh, auto exposure, but like autofocus in particular. Right. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I'll just get an adapter. I'm like, well, I need an f- adapter for the flash too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this thing is a foot long. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got it. It's great. That's what I shoot on. I put it on a nice little pouch mm-hmm. or a little like bag thingy um and that's how I shoot it's crazy like how sharp some of these photos are and I just use the oh I got it converted for 600 film okay that was a big thing so I don't shoot a 670 film right and I don't want to use a flash for what 140 ISO (laughs) right no thanks so that works great that's why I've been shooting so many Polaroids I've been digging the circle frame oh yeah um that's fun a lot of people you'd be surprised how many people are like it's a circle (laughs) like i think i've gotten 10 people that are like whoa and i'm like yeah (laughs) so that a lot of polaroid i've been doing and other than that i haven't shot super eight in a while Mm -hmm. i just haven't been in the mood to spend a hundred dollars on three minutes of film
1: no, that is is pretty steep. That super eight process is is costly. not not a lot of bang for your buck at three minutes, like you said. Yeah. So sort of one of the last thing I was curious about, one of the other things you sent me was a zine that you had done.
0: Yeah. And
1: so that's sort of like a photo project and and you've also put together for crash a uh, album collection of songs, collection of photos, sort of as a similar effort to put together a project but one is musical and one is uh, visual what kind of compare those two processes was was one of them easier or more difficult or did you get something completely different out of out of those two efforts? kind of what are your thoughts there?
2: I got out of both of them equally for the amount of stuff (laughs) i think the the zine was very interesting because i never really put a body of work together around some sort of like vague idea right it was very i remember laying out all the photos on my table and i was like wow just never had to like organize like photos into like a sequence it was just by date in my negative folder. So <laughs> it was very cool to be able to move them around and like, oh, that goes well with that. Right. And it's similar to I would say the album is harder. Mm-hmm. That's just because I had to record it, right? it. You know, so that's kind of cheating. But <laughs> I do think the hardest part for me is the album cover and the album art. Because mm-hmm. I judge books by their cover i judge albums by their cover and (laughs) i assume that people are going to judge mine by my cover right and you know if i have this great work but a crappy cover i'm i'm not gonna click on it i wouldn't click on it um i end up clicking on tons of stuff that i'm not interested to but i'm interested in the cover um (laughs) and which is why like a lot of these local artists like it feels like they skimp out on the cover and i'm like dude I wouldn't click on that if I were listening, if I were scrolling. Like, right. You know, you got to respect and like, you know, sometimes like people are on a budget, you know, I'm lucky enough where we kind of get paid for our shows. <laughs>
1: right.
2: Um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely like right now I'm trying to figure out the cover for the, we're releasing in an EP, um, a tribute EP for right. Blues by J. or called J.B. Lenore.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and I've been sitting I've no clue what to do for the album cover mm-hmm. but as of yesterday I just kind of got this idea and I'm working now as of this morning with um with a local artist who does a lot of Polaroid stuff emulsion lifts uh with, right. with that cyanotype stuff yeah um and I'm really excited because well, I haven't had any ideas, <laughs> so <laughs> it's definitely a base. Right. But, yeah, uh, I definitely think the the music is harder just because there's more elements. But at the same time, you know, just replace writing the songs with finding a good photo and then right. doing that 40 times. Right. You know? Yeah. So they're, they're probably pretty equal.
1: <laughs> okay. It's sort of related to that. I mean not the project, but just playing music or take or making photographs as a creative outlet for you. Do you feel like they, do they feed one part of you that wants to create or do they feed maybe different parts?
2: I definitely, I don't think me personally, I don't really get like cross, uh, what do you call it? Cross inspired maybe. Mm-hmm. So like when I listen to, like a good song I'm like wow I want to write a good song right or when I see a good photo it's photo yeah I don't think I've had it crisscross mm-hmm. so I definitely think it feeds separate parts of me right yeah I think that's what I have to say
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> no Maybe. that's fa- that's fair that's very fair and I know you've got an appointment that you got to get off to but I really appreciate your time Emma it's been so fun talking to you. Why don't you tell us your socials or where people can get in touch and follow along with whatever you're up to?
2: So I guess I will give you my... So for... This is is music and photography or photography and music. This is music and photography podcast, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I'll start with music. Uh, My band uh, is called Crash Birmingham and our website is Crash Birmingham Band. Dot com we're also on instagram at crash birmingham and then for my photo stuff it's a little sparse but it is sprocket like a film sprocket sprocket mm-hmm. run r-u-n all right Yep.
1: Yeah. and i will include those in the show notes and not positive when this is going to go out but if people check the website they can see if you've got any shows coming up at that time right
2: Yeah, we got one for September 30th, I know, Um, Mm -hmm. and then October 18th, both in the Chicago area.
1: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Emma.
2: No problem, really. This is really fun.
1: I want to thank Emma Clyden again for joining me to talk about her musical and photographic experiences. Please do check out her links and some of the Crash Birmingham music that she makes with her dad. Thanks, as always, to Mike Gutterman for our theme song, Timeless. Mike makes all sorts of music available for content creators on his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And thanks to the team over at Sunny16 without whom this podcast wouldn't exist. Please do get in touch at sunny16percents at gmail.com with any topics you'd like to explore for the community. And as always, as John Woodmore might say, always try and be a decent human being.